You're listening to the weekly sermon podcast from Union Road Presbyterian Church. For more information, join us on Facebook or visit our website at unionroad.org.uk. Lord, uh, we often think about Calvary, we often think about the crucifixion, but the events that led up to it, are, uh, need, we need to think about them as well. For it wasn't just the suffering at Calvary that the Lord Jesus uh, endured. It was a suffering uh, in the Garden of Gethsemane and also here in Caiaphas, uh, the high priest's hall, and, uh, and all the, the scourging that he received. So let's turn to, to the, these verses. Now, the Lord Jesus had been arrested in the Garden of Gethsemane, and he, he's, brought, he's brought by his captors to the high priest, the house of the high priest, Caiaphas. And the elders and the scribes are they're, they're gathered, the whole body of the Jews. And this body was known as the Sanhedrin. Uh, we think that, that this is a body that really had, had come down through the years. Uh, it started probably, if you read Numbers, Numbers chapter 11 and verse 16 following, you'll find there that Moses, Moses gathered together 70 elders to help him to, to lead the, the children of Israel. Now, it's not exactly sure where it's the same going right through, but it seems as if it, it started probably there, and then it continued in every generation. Now, this large body of men were, were, were gathered in the middle of the night to judge the prisoner, the Lord Jesus. Now, that's wrong to start with. You don't have a court in the middle of the night. That can't happen in our country. It can't happen, and it shouldn't have happened in the, at this time. The Lord Jesus had gone out into the Garden of Gethsemane, and it was night. And this now, was, it was the middle of the night that they had brought him to, uh, to face his, his accusers. And they, they, they bring these false witnesses who don't agree, verses 59 and 60. So the trial, the trial was a sham. It shouldn't have happened at the time it happened. And, of course, it, uh, the, the witnesses were false. Now, the Sanhedrin had already decided. That's the thing. I hope you never have to go into court, and I hope I never have to go into court. But wouldn't it be a terrible thing to have to go into a courtroom and realize that the judge, before he had heard a word, had decided, I don't like the look of him, he's guilty. Wouldn't that be, wouldn't that be you would think to yourself, how, how unfair that would be. But you see, this is what had happened uh, as far as the Lord Jesus was concerned. The, the Sanhedrin had decided that he was guilty. All they had to do was to prove it. But they weren't succeeding. That's the thing, they weren't succeeding. And Caiaphas is annoyed and tells us in verse 62, you don't answer. Why? You don't reply to these charges. But the Lord Jesus, he kept quiet. He kept quiet. But then, and this is what we want to focus on mainly this morning, the Caiaphas asked this question. It's really a question at the hub of the whole matter. Who is Jesus? And that's a question that every one of us need to be absolutely clear about. Who is Jesus? There's not a more important question that you could ever ask than this one. Who is Jesus? 
Now Caiaphas had heard what others had said, but what will the Lord Jesus say? And so we, we have the, this uh, here, and uh, he says, I charge you, I charge you under oath. Uh, uh, tell us if you are the Christ, the Son of God. Verse 63, tell us, are you the Christ, the Son, the Son of God? Do you really claim to be the Messiah? Now, this is the most important question. And if he, uh, if he the Lord Jesus, is, is the Son of God, then we, we must take, the, take that to heart and we must believe it and we must do what he says. But if he's not, if he's an imposter, then, of course, then we, we, need to, we need to know nothing could be more important than this. Who is Jesus? Now, up to this time, of course, the Lord Jesus had revealed himself as a Messiah and, and, th- and many of the things that he had done. Do you remember, do you remember the, the, the lovely incident of the, the, he met the woman at the well of Samaria and the disciples had gone into the town to buy bread and Jesus, Jesus came up to the woman and, at the well and said, asked her for a drink and she was all flustered about that and couldn't understand why he would ask her a Samaritan for a drink. And Jesus said, if you knew who, if you knew who uh, were, was speaking to you, you would ask him, ask me, not uh, ask Jesus. He said, you would ask for the living water. And Jesus went on to tell her that I, uh, whosoever shall drink of the water that I shall give him shall never thirst. Oh, and the woman, the woman said, we know that the Messiah will come. And do you remember what Jesus said? I who speak unto you, am he. I who speak unto you, am he. He made it clear who he was, the Messiah. He spoke of himself as the Son of Man. Peter confessed him to be the Christ, the Son of the living God. The Lord Jesus had not hidden who he was, especially as his ministry had continued. At the very start, he didn't, he didn't, come, he didn't express it very openly. But as the time went on, gradually, more and more, he told the people that he was the Messiah. He had not hidden who he was. And everything he did made it clear who he was. But you notice, you notice, what Caiaphas, the high priest, said. He said, I charge you, I charge you under oath. And the oath is the most solemn. I charge you by the living God. What a, what a charge to make. In a court of law, witnesses promised to tell the truth uh, before God and before the court. And Caiaphas now asks this question in such a way that he feels it will be impossible, impossible for Jesus uh, not to answer. So let's let's consider this question. This this what Caiaphas asked the Lord Jesus. What happened under the the charge that he made, or the oath that he made? First of all, the reason for the oath. The reason for the oath or the charge lay in the inability of the court to get a conviction. Again, remind ourselves. Why did they hate the Lord Jesus? Have you ever asked yourself, why, why did these men hate the Lord Jesus? 
Could they go out and point to one thing that he did that would cause them to hate? How, you say, how could it be? He had healed so many. He had done so many marvelous works. But you see, what troubled the Jewish leaders, and it's found very clearly in John chapter 11 and verse 48, they were watching what the Lord Jesus was doing, and they said to themselves, if we let this go on, the Romans will come and destroy our nation and temple. We can't let this man go on doing what he's doing. We can't let this man go on doing these miracles and leading what they would have said, leading the people astray. If he keeps on doing this, the Romans will come and, and we'll all be destroyed. And so they, these these elders, these, the Sanhedrin, felt that he must be got rid of. He was upsetting things. That's what was wrong. He was basically upsetting things. And they, now they have him arrested, but they have no conviction. Now, the sad thing is, these men were supposed to be upholders of the truth, but their hearts were filled with hatred and evil. Now, Caiaphas knew the Messiah was promised. This is the thing. The Caiaphas knew the Messiah was promised, but had decided this man couldn't be him. This man couldn't be him. Why could he not be him? Well, Caiaphas had decided that the Messiah would come, and he would come basically, you might say, as a conqueror. He would come in those days like on a white horse with a big sword with an army and he would chase the Romans out it would, that would just be that would be the end of it and the, the, the nation would be set free but this man this man was a carpenter he was a carpenter like how was a carpenter going to set the place free how was he going to lead the nation? Where was the glory? Why did he? He rode into Jerusalem on a donkey. Like you don't ride in a, in a, on a donkey if you if you if you're coming as a conqueror. But you see, Isaiah had made that clear years before what would happen, hadn't he? In Isaiah 53, Isaiah 53 and verse two, it tells us there was no form nor comeliness that men should desire him. There was no beauty, no majesty, a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. That's the one who stood before Caiaphas, and Caiaphas didn't want that type of person. He wanted a, he wanted a, 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 a king who looked like a king and would act like a, a king. And so the question, you see, an oath... Caiaphas, whose mind was full of hatred and evil, demands an answer, and he demands it upon the very truth of God's name. Demands it on the very truth of God's name. You know, if, if, if ever a man was guilty of taking God's name in vain, it, it, it was this man, it was Caiaphas. A heart of hatred and taking God's name in vain. What was the reason for the oath again? It was because they must get a conviction, no matter what the cost would be. 
That's why he said, tell us if you are the Christ, the Son of God. And that may say, just, just really in a sense, maybe a secondary issue. You see the way that Caiaphas said, tell us, uh, 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 under oath by, charge you under oath by the living God. Listen, when I say this to the young people, especially, never take the name of Jesus in vain. Never take God's name upon your lips in a careless manner. This man, this man here was really breaking the commandment. And so many today do it, and even sometimes God's people do it. We shouldn't do it. We have a, the Lord Jesus is a wonderful Savior. How could we ever take his name in vain? It should grieve us if we hear people doing it. It should grieve us if we do, hear people doing it. Well, here was a man who did it, and he was the high priest. So that's the, the reason for the oath. But let, let's think, secondly, the affront of the oath, the offense of it, the offense of the oath. Now, the Lord Jesus is being asked to tell the truth. This is, and surely, in a sense, that's a form of denial, isn't it? A form of denial. The high priest was casting doubt upon who the prisoner was. You know, again, if you, if you think of a courtroom, Imagine going into a courtroom and turning around to the judge and saying, now, I expect you to tell the truth. How far would you get if you turned to the, the judge and said, I expect you to get, tell the truth? But this is, in a sense, is what's happening here. You don't say that to a judge. You, you understand that he will be truthful. Now, the Lord Jesus is the Messiah. The Lord Jesus is the Son of God. How could he be untruthful? How could he be untruthful? How could he stand up before them and, and tell what is false? Tell me the truth. If I was to come down to you this morning and say to you, I said, now, look, I want you to tell me the truth. Would you be offended? I think a lot of people probably would be, and, and maybe rightly so. If I was to come to you and say, I want, I want you to tell me the truth now. No, don't, don't want any. You see, I would be doubting your character, wouldn't I? I would be doubting that, that you maybe sometimes would tell lies. But you're a person, I hope, that wouldn't tell lies. I should never say that to you. If I come down and say to you, could you tell me what happened, I would know exactly. You'll tell me the truth. And if you came to me and said, I, 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 I would tell you the truth. But here these people were coming, and they were saying, they were saying tell us. Tell us under oath by the living God. But you see, the Lord Jesus would always be telling the truth. In a sense, he was being placed on the same level as the false witnesses. But Jesus had said, Jesus had said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes unto the Father except by me. Jesus is the truth. How could the Lord Jesus tell other than the truth? He was 
placed under oath to speak the truth. How dreadful, how dreadful this was, this, this humiliation really of the, of the lovely, the, the Son of God. Later on he would be beaten, later on he would be spat upon, later on of course he would be, he would be, <clears throat> he would be nailed to the cross. But here you see he was being treated as someone who's untruthful. Someone who's untruthful. And it surely it must have caused, it caused much grief to him. Oh, the hymn writer put it like this when he said, O oh, blessed Jesus, what law hast thou broken that such sharp sentence should on thee be spoken? What law hast thou broken that such sharp sentence on thee should be spoken? Of what great crime hast thou to make confession? What dark transgressions? What had he done wrong? He was a spotless lamb of God. And yet, here he had the offense of this oath, asking the Lord of glory to tell the truth. But then I want you thirdly to think about the obligation of the oath. <clears throat> whenever you take an oath, you see, whenever you take a vow, there's a solemn obligation upon you to keep it. But there's also the solemn obligation on, on those who administer the oath. So let's think about that. First of, all, first of all, the obligation upon the Lord Jesus. The Lord Jesus, of course, answered and said, Yes, that is so. Are you the Christ, the Son of God? Yes, that is so, he said. Now, the Lord Jesus stating so clearly this, I am the Messiah. I am the Christ, the only, the only begotten of the Father. I am that I am. The Lord Jesus is the one appointed, the one appointed from the beginning to come. The one who stood as a prisoner before the Sanhedrin was their God and ours. It's, it's important to remember that. The one who stood before them as a prisoner was their God and ours. The high priest asked the question and the answer was yes. Now, whenever someone answers in the affirmative, well, what would sometimes would you be tempted to do if someone answers in the affirmative something that you're maybe skeptical about? Wouldn't you, wouldn't you be, the next thing you might say is, prove it, prove it. You say, you, you say that you are the Messiah. Does the Lord Jesus need to prove it? But you see, throughout his earthly life, all the Lord Jesus had done pointed to his identity. Every miracle pointed to his glory. The thing is, you see, and this is what we need to remind ourselves of over and over again. What about the little girl that was dead in the house and Jesus went in and raised her to life? What about the young man who was being carried out in the coffin and Jesus went over and touched the coffin and said, young man, arise. What about the man who was laid down through the roof and couldn't walk and Jesus said, take up your bed and walk. And even just an hour or so before this happened out in the garden of Gethsemane, 
whenever, whenever he was being arrested, Peter had taken out his sword and he had cut off the ear of the high priest. And what did Jesus do? He said, put away your sword. And he reached out his hand and he healed the man. Like, how could anyone not know that Jesus was the Messiah? How could anyone not know that Jesus was the Son of God? How could they not know? Every miracle pointed to him. They couldn't prove him guilty. They couldn't convict him or convince him of sin, any sin, because he hadn't broken any sin. The obligation of the oath on the Lord Jesus, he answered yes, and there was no question, of course, that it was true. He had shown that it was true. But then what about the obligation of the oath upon the Sanhedrin? You see, if someone asks an, an, a, another person a question on their oath, then the questioner is bound by the same oath. If you're in a court of law, you're bound on oath to tell the truth, but you expect everyone else in the court to tell the truth. The obligation is upon everyone, upon everyone. And the Sanhedrin, Caiaphas, the high priest, had called on God to witness their conduct in that day. What a terrible situation that was, a terrible situation. Men who called on God's Son to tell the truth, and all the time their hearts were filled with hatred and evil. Truth was so far from them. So far from them. Do you remember, do you remember in John Bunyan's Pilgrim's Progress? Do you remember Christian and Faithful were on their journey to the, the Promised Land or to, uh, onto the uh, uh, to heaven, and they came to the they came to Vanity Fair, and the two pilgrims were arrested in Vanity Fair, and they were brought before a judge. Oh, Bunyan knew how to Bunyan knew how to put it together, so he did. What did he call the judge? He called the judge Judge Hatgood. What did he call the members of the jury? Well, one of them was called Mr. Envy. One of them was called, another one was called, uh, 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 all, there were all sorts of names, names that, that just really, that really that, uh, 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 like Liar, Mr. Liar and Mr. Cheat. All these people. The judge who hated the truth. But this, this is what Caiaphas was like. And you know, it's so important that we remember that we're, we, we should set an example of God's people always to, always to tell the truth. But I want you to notice something that happened then, you see. Whenever Jesus said in verse 64, But I say to you, all of you, in the future you will see the Son of Man sitting at the right hand of the Mighty One and coming in the clouds of heaven. Imagine telling a judge, I see the Son of Man coming. And what did he mean? 
Well, he meant, of course, that the Son of Man who's sitting at the right hand of power, coming in the clouds of heaven, Jesus was looking past Jesus was looking past the crucifixion, looking past his death, looking past the time whenever he would rise from the grave and he would go into heaven and then he would come back again and everyone would stand before him. Everyone would stand before him. Whenever he would return in power and glory, he would return to judge all men. So here he was before this earthly court, the Sanhedrin, and he was telling them, yes, I am the Messiah, and one day I will be coming back again, and I'll come back in power and glory, and everyone here will stand before me, and everyone in this meeting house today will stand before him. The Lord Jesus was their prisoner, but on that day he would be their judge. Oh, I hope we remember that. On that day, he would be their judge. Charles Wesley put it in one of his hymns like this. Thou judge of quick and dead, before whose bar severe, with holy joy or guilty dread, we all shall soon appear. Think of that. With holy joy or guilty dread, The holy joy will come because a man or a woman is in Christ, because he has trusted Christ. But the dread will come because a man or woman has rejected Christ. But everyone will stand, everyone will stand before the the judge on that day. And the obligation of the oath and the Sanhedrin was, of course, they had no time for this. All they could think about Put him to death. Put him to death. So what about the obligation in us today? What about the obligation? You see, as we come to the Lord's table, everyone who comes to the Lord's table has made a profession of faith. A profession of faith. God is our witness, as he was that night in in the judgment hall. And we have said maybe... 10, 15, 20, 30, maybe 50 years ago that we love the Lord Jesus. That we love the Lord Jesus. That he's our savior. I wonder today, are we seeking to keep that vow that we have made? Indeed, we're making it again this morning as we come here. We're making it again this morning. Are we keeping the vow that we've made? We say we love the one who is the Lord Jesus, who is the Christ, the Son of God. And the obligation is upon us now. Do we love him truly? Do we love him truly? The Sanhedrin asked the question, tell us, are you the Christ? And they received the answer, yes, but they they wouldn't accept it. What about us? What about us? John Newton wrote a a, a hymn, but he had this verse in it. What think ye of Christ is the test to try both your state and your scheme? You cannot be right in the rest unless you think rightly of him. What do you think of Christ? You cannot be right 
in the rest. Whatever else you think, you cannot be right if you don't think rightly of Jesus. If you don't think rightly of Jesus. The one who stood before Caiaphas was the the spotless Lamb of God, God's Son. Oh, I hope every one of us, as we come to this table, we think rightly of him. We think rightly of him. To think rightly of Jesus. To walk with him day by day. Because he has got the, the love, the obedience of our hearts. What an awful night that was in, in front of Caiaphas. The darkness wasn't just a physical darkness, it was the darkness of the, of the, of the Caiaphas and the rest of the, the Sanhedrin. But the Lord Jesus, the Lord Jesus, the light of the world, he was there dying to put to death for his people. Let's pray. Let's pray. Thank you.